Thank you for tuning in to Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cop, and we're with comic John Marco Serezi. John Marco Serezi, how the hell are you? Oh, uh, everything. So many, <laughs> so many feelings all the time. Uh, <laughs> I thought I was going to be talking to Jeff Goldblum today. Your impression is priceless. Oh, thank you. I, <laughs> I worry I might be uh, running it into the ground, but <laughs> I have a lot of time. And I just did one. Someone asked me, I set up a Cameo account because I was like, oh, maybe I'll make a couple bucks. Yeah. And then, of course, like the first thing someone reached out to me and they're like, hey, it's my friend's birthday. Uh, we don't have any money. Would you still do it? And I'm I'm like, yeah, of course. I looked at her friend. Her friend their friend, uh, her, her mother passed away this year, and she was like raising all this money for Black Lives Matter. And I was like, okay. "Yeah, okay, I can do it." <laughs> and uh, you know, I guess it's it's. I, I'm sure someday. I hope I'm successful enough that I'm like I, I just have don't have time for this, but I yeah. totally do have time for it right now. <laughs> I would and, think that uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum people could be pissed off. It would fuck with his cameo account. Yeah, I don't think. I think he's so famous. His cameo would be like. You know, to be a thousand dollars for a video. So, right. oh, so only the the mid tier celebrities are on Cameo. I'm at five dollars a message <laughs> right now. So nice. It's a bargain. It's a bargain at, at twice the price. Now, uh, people can find you do stand up comedy online. Are you doing uh, Instagram live things? Are you doing Zoom things? Or are they just gonna kind of, you know, follow you on Twitter like I do, which is, which is John Marco Serezi? Thank you. I mean, yeah, I, I'm doing. I'm doing. It started with kind of more Instagram live shows. Now it's just. It seems to be just Zoom. Okay. So I'm doing. I'm doing. I was doing more in the past. Now it's about four or five a week. Um, I did. Uh, I did an open mic this week in person, like six people. No shit. And, uh, it's it's terrible. How? I mean, open mics are tough. Open mics with like longtime comedians are is is the worst. No one's, uh, everyone's, not, no one's paying attention. Yeah. You know, it's one of these things, like, to do a, a kind of a joke is almost, like, corny. It's like, ugh, really? You're going to tell a joke? <laughs> and uh, it's, it's just tough. I get on stage, and um, I feel, I, I did one show on a truck bed that got shut down by the police when I was a minute into my set. And I was talking to some of the comedians who had gone up before me, and they, were, they looked, you know, mortified, and they're like, it felt like I regressed two years and i had to see where i was like okay you know what i'm gonna get on that bed i'm just gonna fucking go right into it i'm just gonna shake it all off and then the moment you get up there it's like my body feels like empty and my arms are like a little bit shaky and it's like well you can't no you can't skip being rusty it's there yeah. for them. yeah and, and uh, it, but but it, it kind of reminds me of one of your tweets where it's like, hey man, you're you're a white person. You got to create these obstacles, man. You got to try to do your open mic, and it gets shut down. And there you go. You got something to complain about. Yeah, white well, people have to create their own obstacles. That's <laughs> what I said. And yeah, speaking of the Twitter thing, one thing I uh, there's a couple tweets that I'm I'm, I'm interested in. Um, you know, all your tweets are good. The Jeff Goldblum impression, um, getting back to Gal Gadot is just fucking hilarious. But um, some of the other straight comedy things that I like are, um, do you mind if I read the tweets or no? Are you? I got never stop someone from reading my tweets. Okay, yeah. So uh, white people would rather tear down a statue of Christopher Columbus than confront their racist parents. 
That's amazing. And at the other, the other end of the spectrum, you had, and I'll tell you why I think it's a spectrum kind of, um, or it sets up a tension that I'm interested in. But the other one was um, you're starting to think that, here, where is it? You might, I, I'm starting to think that the people in charge of arresting the cops who murdered Breonna Taylor are not on Twitter. Okay, so on the one hand, this 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 one is more like, you know, should we even tweet things if it's, uh, you know, is you know if it does not lead to meaningful change because the person is not on Twitter or something like that, you know, should we even be doing it? Like it's almost it's almost casting in a negative light. And I know this is not your intention. You're, it was just a funny fucking tweet. But um, you know, should we be even tweeting about this shit? Uh, if it if it doesn't matter, yeah, you know? I mean it's yeah. a mix. It's like, I, I mean, if you look like if you look at my whole Twitter, it's always filled with hypocrisy because a week before that, I was tweeting uh, along with everyone else, uh, arrest arrest the cops who murdered Breonna Taylor. So like I, I engage I engage in whatever social media, uh, quote unquote activism there is. Um, but I try to be aware of the fact that a lot of it is fruitless or like it is. It, I've noticed with the Breonna Taylor thing, people have like um, it, it's kind of gone through the Twitter morphing thing where now people are coming up with like creative ways to say arrest the cops who murdered Breonna Taylor. And it's it's this weird thing where. I mean, uh, yes, are you calling, continuing to call attention to it, but you're also, like, doing it in a creative way that you're hoping, like, pops on Twitter. <laughs> and um, it, it's not, you know, I, I never, I, I never would, uh, I would never feel disdain for people spreading the message of arrest the cops who, who uh, murdered Breonna Taylor. Uh, not in a million years, but it is, it is this weird tension with all social media where, all of it's performative to a certain degree yeah. because we're putting it on a platform that values likes and retweets. And um, it, I think it's just an interesting tension. And as, as a comedian, I, I hope to, to uh, write some jokes about it. But it's delicate, of course. I, that, like that particular tweet, I was, I, had, I was a little bit nervous about it because I'm like, I do not want to disrespect or make fun of the intention right. or the fact that the cops who murdered Breonna Taylor should be fucking arrested. Mm -hmm. But it's, uh, you know, I think, I think you have to uh, be suspicious or be critical or just be, make jokes about kind of some of the hypocrisies and the way we engage, because I think without it, I think it can be a form of purifying if, if, you know, it, sometimes Twitter can be something that's become so cynical, it's yeah. almost like, well, why do fucking anything? <laughs> um, but I think it can also uh, make people think about it, or it can just be kind of a funny commentary on, well, you know, this is the reality. Social media, movements on social media are always going to be tainted by the fact that part of it is a numbers game. Yeah. And Twitter particularly, like, you know, with my... My news feed is extremely, or my, my timeline is extremely left-leaning. And sometimes you, you know, I, I thought Bernie was like kind of maybe had it in the bag. And it's because you go on and it's like, it just feels that way. 
it just feels like, oh, no one likes Biden. Yeah. And then you see him, you know, fucking sweep with South Carolina. That was a big turning point. Yeah. And it's kind of like, right, you gotta, you gotta remember this echo chamber. Yeah. We're all susceptible to it, even in slight ways. Um, Matt Broussard, who's a great Twitter, you know, you know Matt, right? Matthew I Bruce. haven't had him. I haven't had him on yet, but we had on Bob Biggerstaff today, and he's had Matt on. So I feel like yeah. I'm once removed from Matt right now. He had some tweet where it's like seeing all my uh, uh, left-leaning intellectual friends um, shit all over Joe Biden. He didn't say shit. I'm making it my own. Seeing all my my intellectual friends kind of talk about how much I hate Joe Biden really makes me think he has a shot. <laughs> and it's so true. It's just so true, and. Uh, yeah, and again, like it's been a fine line because I'm I am not I don't do enough in terms of I I I should be giving more money. I should be there's a lot more things I should be doing. I've taken some actions uh and you know inside myself it's like am I doing this for approval? Am I like am I actually learning? Am I actually fighting this fight? I'm having those conversations, which I think every every person, especially white people, should be having with themselves. Um, and at the same time, though, I'm a comedian. Yeah. And so it's like, well, how do I what is there to talk about with everything that's going on in a way that is is not insulting or or minimizing, but is still like noticing hypocrisies or poking fun at the things that deserve to be poked fun at. But I've learned yeah. a lot. I, I have old jokes. I, I went through my old joke thing in the last couple, my, my joke document, and there was a couple jokes where I'm like, you know what, this, even if it is funny, it's like <laughs> making fun of a thing that doesn't need to be made fun of right now yeah. uh, is, is just not the time and is not worth it for the idea of the joke. I suppose and, you could put it in a shitty character, you know, coming out of a shitty character's mouth, maybe. Sure, but like I've yeah. I've played with that. I've played with being like expressing myself as. Um, I had some joke about this before about like the uh, Starbucks. Do you remember Starbucks closed? Um, yeah. They made all their they made all their employees go through racial bias training. Yes. Um, and the joke basically was like it was the first time racism has had a negative impact on my life. And it went into and like the goal of the joke was me saying like, you know, I am an entitled person. I'm trying to make a joke of, of me in that moment being completely oblivious or just acknowledging it. But in, in retrospect, it's kind of like I that character might not be worth playing anymore or it yeah. might be too too real or or i could say like i think i'm above it i'm being ironic but yeah. in fact the way i live my life is not a, a, a super active supporter of this movement so really i'm i'm not above it i am that person that i'm making fun of so it's not as funny <laughs> Well, what I like, I mean, about the tweet, you know, like, I think there's a role for this sort of thing. And I think you hit on it with the tweet about the Christopher Columbus thing, because, you know, until I read this tweet, it wouldn't have occurred to me that this performative Twitter activism by white people and white comics um, 
you know, it, it, you know, are these people going home and confronting their racist parents? Like, wow, it didn't occur to me until I read that, that, yeah, they might want to do that first. <laughs> you, yeah. know, you know, confronting your racist parents, I mean, coming out of your mouth uh, could be pretty powerful as a, as a, you know, their offspring. But um, yeah, maybe they should think twice about, you know, retweeting a statue, uh, Christopher Columbus joke, um, when they should just be fucking have a real conversation with racist parents. Yeah. And it's again, like it's the, the inspiration for the joke came from my own life. First of all, I'm like, yeah, fucking take down the Christopher Columbus statue. I don't I, I certainly don't give a fuck. I don't think anyone really i think it's great go ahead take down all the christopher columbus statues but like i know personally like uh the harder thing to do would be like my my stepfather is uh more conservative leaning and he's very uh he's very smart in a way where i and the relationship is you know he's my stepfather there's there's a condescending relationship of sorts it's (laughs) It, it it would be it's very hard for me to debate him. Um, I I feel very strongly that I'm on my views are uh, more more correct or more yeah. empathetic to people that are marginalized in the world. But it's tough to debate with someone who reads the Wall Street, read the Wall Street Journal every day for the last yeah. forty years. Is a lawyer. He's a lawyer. Yeah, I, so, I am too. I am too. So I can see both sides of every issue. But that yeah. doesn't mean that, um, you know, like there's certain libertarian threads running through the counter arguments that, oh, well, maybe, you know, this level of government is not the person to do that. You know, like if somebody, yes. you know, wants a federal statute on, on banning chokehold, well, like, well, maybe it's going to be more appropriate at the local level. So that's hard to debate with. Um, but 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 you're right that uh, you're on the moral correct ground. It just sucks that somebody's on the other side and he might have a valid argument or two based in, you know, government the role of government uh, arguments or you know there's there's just debate there's there's uh, argument tricks where you know all of a sudden i look like i'm i'm a fool or i'm yeah. like oh let me let me get back to you on that point so it's it's tough and, and part of it <laughs> you know if you, let, let me let me get back to you on that point yeah, yeah one, one cutting remark could could end a lot of these things like he'd be, he he could be like oh really banning chokeholds is going to uh, change racial justice in america like that's basically true but you know like you don't need that cutting argument because you'd be like, dude, it's a step in the right fucking direction. It's one of many things that need to get done. So why yeah. not do it first? Sure. And that's like where it's like, well, you know, sometimes you get to these debates and I'm like, fuck, I'd have to, I'd have to just this be my full time gig for me <laughs> to be able to argue with someone at that level of intelligence. So then it's like, you know, I, I was thinking about I have a younger brother and I, I worry about him. I, I worry about you know, any any 17 year old who's on Reddit or, you know, I, I'm not sure we're not close enough where I, I don't know if he's on 4chan or he's playing Call of Duty and they're just throwing around slurs, you know, as they shoot each other on this game. Um, but it's like I talked to him the other day and it's uh, it, it's it's tough. You know, it's like I, I don't think I'm ever going to convince my 18 year old brother to go on Amazon and watch. Uh, I am not your Negro uh, narrative about James Baldwin. But I did uh, try to turn him on to the Dave Chappelle special. And I thought, like, I thought that was a really nice thing where it's, that was a much easier for me to get my brother to watch uh, a Dave Chappelle special than the 13th on on Netflix. Yeah, I I love that tweet. And, um, you know what? What do you? What did you think about the special? And if your brother watches it, what is he going to take away from it? 
I mean, the special was was uh, incredible. You know, it's it's more of a it's more of a I I don't know about church what to, what qualifies as a sermon, yeah. but you know, it's it's like I, I think of it more like Chappelle is someone who has garnered a great deal of trust in terms of uh, him speaking honestly yeah. and his mind, and so. And whether it's like filled with punchlines or not, he's an amazing storyteller. Yeah. Uh, so I thought, I mean, I thought it was incredible. And I can, I, I mean, I watched it twice that day. Chappelle's one of the few comedians who I didn't know it had come out the night before. But if it had, I would have stayed up and watched it. I will, I will drop everything to watch Chappelle. Yeah. Um, and I think my hope is like with my brother. Or or a, a different group of people, particularly, you know, I I as a as a white guy going to who went to a private school um, that was diverse for a private school, but there was a lot of white fifteen year old kids who fucking loved the Chappelle Show. Yeah, and there's so many black entertainers that that uh, that are have this you know have so many white fans yeah. and so when Chappelle talks about something real I think there is like a, a whole uh, quadrant of his fan group that might not be reading uh, articles about police brutality or articles about defunding the police or or maybe didn't even watch the video uh, uh, or, or of any of these things and yet they go to a Ch Chappelle special and it's a little bit of a of a of a you know if you, if you went thinking you were going to see a, a stand up comedy special, you might be surprised as to what it was. Yeah. But hopefully he's such a good storyteller that someone like my brother, and maybe he's reading more than I give him credit for. But I think <laughs> watching Chappelle, Chappelle, Dave Chappelle, talk about uh, police brutality and 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 like have comparative. Com comparing metaphors to help understand it might really get through and yeah. uh, you know at, at least begin the questioning process of a lot of the systems of power we have in place yeah i, I wouldn't mind yeah the, the the bar is pretty low like meaning if you can't be funny at least be interesting and so uh with dave Chappelle, you know it's at least going to be smart and interesting and i wouldn't you know so the standard like i wouldn't mind if he did that more often you know about about anything that comes up, and I wouldn't mind, you know, mind certain other people we trust, like Kevin Hart, to get up there and talk about, I don't know, eight, eight minutes of infidelity, even if it's slightly. You know, I don't want to see him doing eight minutes of infidelity. I think that happened, but uh, talking about you know the ramifications of, of infidelity in a slightly serious way. I mean, as far as it's, yeah, but I'm 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 glad that it's turning people like your brother on to uh, some of the yeah. issues they might be ignoring in article form. Yeah, I I think it's like it's a it's a balance because like ultimately, first of all, there's some comedians who like you don't want to hear, you don't yeah. want to hear their take on something or you know I, I made a I made a joke like all right now it's Ellen's turn and it's yeah. like you know, I think some some comedians you're like well we don't really want to hear this but Chappelle is someone who like has talked about these issues before and he's just a great speaker for this moment and yeah if he released four of, of something like these in a row, he might lose uh, people who go to him for comedy. And I think it is a real balance with someone as skilled and amazing as he is of like, you know, sometimes there's this thing about preserving the specialness of your appearance. Yeah. Um, 
you know, that's why when it came out, everyone fucking was talking about it because he doesn't come out. He comes out with more than most comedians these days, but it's still special. He's still very special. He went away for so long, and now that he's back, it still feels amazing to watch. So uh, I think, you know, what more can you ask for from, from an artist like that at that level? But I was thinking artist at your level. I mean, you're, you're pretty, you know, I think right now you got jokes in the New York Times, don't you? Oh, yeah. yeah they, they, wrote, <laughs> they wrote up a joke about the Zoom. But it's like, I think that's, that's one of the tough things right now where I had all these <laughs> coronavirus jokes. And now it, it feels, even though the cases are on the rise, uh, it feels almost like everything coronavirus is automatically dated because it just doesn't feel as important as everything else. And so I've, you know, I've begun writing, you know, uh, very loosely about like what it was like to do do a march or I did one march that went past curfew and then the cops broke it up. And it's it's something I need to test at Mike's to decide, are there certain things where it's like, you know what, I just shouldn't talk about this or how do I how again, it goes back to the original problem. How can I, I think the thing that I could talk, that I have, uh, quote unquote, authority on is uh, kind of the fuck ups I make as a white person trying to be a better, uh, I hate the word ally, or I think it's it's just been abused at a certain point, but, but being a better white person. Like, yeah. that's where I think, that's the thing, oh, I know from a first person perspective how many ways I fuck up. But how do I make something that's funny that is not undermining or is not preachy on the other end? And it's tough. I think there's part of it where it's like, do should I just shut the fuck up? Period. <laughs> it's 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 not. It, it's because when you're at a, a lower level of comedy, a lot of your entire career is like trying to get people to use you. You need me. Please put me on this stage. Please listen to my perspective on this. And at a time like this, it's kind of like, well, do we need another white point of view on this shit? Yeah. And it's a tough, it's, 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 a, it's a mix of, of like, am I, I feel a certain, like, am I a bad person for even pursuing this at all? Am I, am I shitty that now my Instagram I, I share some post or some donate to this or here's an interesting article mixed in with me doing a Jeff Goldblum impression. Yeah. It's a it's a tricky balance and I'm sure I've fucked up certain times and it's just what you have to live with. I mean, if that's the problem you have, you know, you're lucky and you just have to question and uh, try to be aware, I guess. But I, th I think you're at least entertaining us in the in the interim, you know, like, you know, other than sharing the occasional link, if you're giving me a, a new way to look at this, it can be helpful. And if you can't ultimately get there, like I almost think that one one of the serious topics that you might be like, I, I would I would fire up a John Marco Cerezi, uh video, you know, eight minute video like a Chappelle thing talking about, you know, something like you know, divorce or something. I know, like, I, I saw some of your comedy seller bits, and I think you talked about divorce, and it was funny. But, you know, I'd be interested to hear, you know, like, you know, you're, most, you're a celebrity comic at this point. I would be interested to hear oh. something that you you actually have, 
you know, some some real insight on because, you know, I'm getting, you know, I'm laughing at the jokes about divorce, but I could also kind of learn something about his impact on, on you know, a, a child if you also kind of did a serious thing. And the one I'm thinking of is when, is when Theo Vaughn did his, uh, you know, lengthy straight to the camera and YouTube uh, thing about sobriety. You know, that was helpful to a lot of people. And that's what kind of turned me on to kind of liking him a little bit more. Um, so would you ever consider doing something like that? Yeah, I mean, it's, I've thought about whether it's divorce, you know, I, I, uh, I've been thinking more if I do Edinburgh next year, Yeah. um, where like, if I did that, would I, it's, it's tough. I, I feel a, a very, at least at this point in my life, I feel, of, uh, or my, my artistic journey, I feel very hesitant to be like serious. I think I have a thing or a complex of I'm very lucky on paper um, in terms of, you know, uh, having a family that had financial resources and not having illness. And it's like, well, I'm depressed, but is that enough? You, you, see, you see things like Nanette and it's like, you know, the thing she's talking about was a fucking, fucking brutal thing that happened to her. Yeah. And is it... Is it worth, is it, uh, when you make yourself a victim, you, or when you present yourself as a victim, you open yourself up to criticism or, uh, whereas with comedy, if I'm just like, I'm just here to be funny, I'm here mm. to make people laugh, it's safer in terms of, uh, what you're, you're risking of yourself. So I do think it is somewhere down the line or something I'd want to explore, but it's really tricky and I have to feel like I'm offering something. Like sometimes with divorce, it's it's like, well, a lot of people have divorced parents. Right. Uh, so what is it I want to say? People, people, sometimes people just have clearer point of views. Daniel, Daniel Sloss, is that his name? Yeah. Um, he, you know, his, his like big, one of his big first specials was very much like, fuck religion and it's like that was his strong point of view i didn't grow up with religion i don't have a i i might agree with him but i'm not like i'm not like oh well i'm the person to to really hang this out there and really explore it so i just have to really believe it and believe that i am not manufacturing trauma to make it worthy of being on stage um, well, i mean it's, it's just so funny though that you know, you said that comedy is, is, is safer. And, you know, that, that coming out of the mouth of a, of a comic who really is, is, you know, being funny on the razor's edge of, of race and things like that. And so at the very least, you know, you know, I'd love to see it down the road with the divorce thing. But in the meantime, I'll be tracking your, your not very safe, but truly hilarious uh, t tweets at, let me check, check, I follow you right here. And it's John Marco Cerezi. And yeah, that's your Twitter handle. But you also have the John, John Marco Cerezi.com. Uh, yes, and that's my Instagram handle too. And you okay. know, uh, yeah, give me a follow. I'll, I'll keep it up the best I can. Sounds good, John Marco Cerezi. Thank you so much. Thank you very much.